0: Greetings and salutations, I am Ken Barrios, your success coach. I hope you unleash your talents and maximize your impact without compromising your time. It is my pleasure to read The 16 Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill, written in 1928 and now public domain. My hope is that you will take from these small segments of reading the insight and wisdom of a philosophy that has over a hundred years of practical experimentation. With that said, let us begin. During the World War I, I was fortunate enough to listen to a great soldier's analysis of how to be a leader. This analysis was given to the student officers of the 2nd Training Camp at Fort Sheridan by Major C. A. Bach, a quiet, unassuming Army officer acting as an instructor. I have preserved a copy of this address because I believe it is to be one of the finest lessons on leadership ever recorded. The wisdom of mister of Major Bark Bach's address is so vital to the businessman aspiring to leadership, or to the section boss, or to the stenographer, or to the foreman of the shop, or to the president of the works that I have preserved it as part of the this reading course. It is my earnest hope that through the agency of this course, this remarkable dissertation on leadership will find its way into the hands of every employer and every worker and every ambitious person who aspires to leadership in any walk of life. The principles of which this address is based are as applicable to leadership in business and industry and finance as they are in the successful conduct of warfare. Major Bach spoke as follows. In a short time, each of you men will control the lives of a certain number of other men. You will have in your charge loyal but untrained citizens who look to you for instruction and guidance. Your word will be their law. Your most casual remark will be remembered. Your mannerisms will be aped. Your clothing, your carriage, your vocabulary, your manner of command will be imitated. When you join your organization, you will find... There are a willing body of men who ask from you nothing more than the qualities that I will command their respect, their loyalty, and their obedience. They are perfectly regular, regular. They are perfectly ready and eager to follow you as long as you can convince them that you have these qualities. When the time comes that they are satisfied you do not possess them, you might as well kiss yourself goodbye. Your usefulness in that organization is at an end. Noted, how remarkably true this is in all manner of leadership. End note. From the standpoint of society, the world may be divided into leaders and followers. The professions have their leaders. The finance world has its leaders. In all this leadership, it is difficult, if not impossible, to separate from the element of pure leadership that a selfish element of a personal gain or advantage to the individual, without which any leadership would, be, would lose its value. It is in the military service only, where men freely sacrifice their lives for a faith, where men are willing to suffer and die for the right or the prevention of a wrong, that we can hope to realize leadership in its most exalted and disinterested sense. Therefore, when I say leadership, I mean military leadership. In a few days, the great mass of you men... Will receive commissions as officers. These commissions will not t- make you leaders. They will merely make you officers. They will place you in a position where you can become leaders if you possess the proper attributes. But you must make good, not so much with the men over you as with the men under you. Men must and will follow into battle officers who are not leaders. But the driving power behind these men is not enthusiasm, but discipline. They go with doubt and trembling that prompts the unspoken question, quote, What will he do next? Quote, Such men obey the letter of their orders, but no more. A devotion to their commander of exalted enthusiasm, which scorns personal risk of self-sacrifice to ensure his personal safety. They know nothing. Their legs carry them forward because their brain and their training tell them they must go. Their spirit does not go with them. Great results are not achieved by cold, passive, unresponsive soldiers. They don't go far. They don't go very far, and they stop as soon as they can. Leadership not only demands, but receives the willing, unhesitating, unfaltering obedience and loyalty of other men and a devotion that will cause them when the time comes to follow their uncrowned king to hell and back again, if necessary. You will ask yourselves, quote, of just what, then, does leadership consist? What must I do to become a leader? What are the attributes of leadership, and how can I cultivate them? Quote, leadership is a composite of a number of qualities. Among the most important, I would list self Confidence, moral ascendancy, self-sacrifice, paternalism, fairness, initiative, decision, dignity, courage. Self-confidence results, first, from the exact knowledge. Second, the ability to impart that knowledge. And third, the feeling of superiority over others that naturally follows. All these give the officer poise. To lead, you must know. You may bluff all your men some of the time, but you can't do it all the time. Men will not have the confidence in an officer unless he knows his business. He must know it from the ground up. The officer should know more about paperwork than his first sergeant and company clerk put together. He should know more about the messing than his mess sergeant. More about disease of the horse than his troop farrier. He should be at as least good shot as any man in his company. If the officer does not know and demonstrates the fact that he does not know, it is entirely human for the soldier to say to himself, quote, to hell with him. He doesn't know as much about this as I do, quote, and calmly disregard the instructions received. There is no substitute for accurate knowledge. Become so well informed that men will hunt you up to ask questions, that your brother officers will say to one another, quote, ask Smith, he knows, quote. And not only should each officer know thoroughly the duties of his own grade, but he should study those of two grades next above him. A twofold benefit attaches to this. He prepares himself for duties which may fall to his lot any time during battle. He further gains a broader viewpoint, which enables him to appreciate the necessity for the assurance of orders and join more intelligently in their execution. Not only must the officer know, but he must be able to put what he knows into grammatical, interesting, forceful English. He must learn to stand on his feet and speak without embarrassment. I am told that in British training camps, student officers are required to deliver 10-minute talks on any subject they choose. That is excellent practice. For to speak clearly, one must think clearly, and clear logical thinking expresses itself in definite positive orders. While self-confidence is the result of knowing more than your men, moral ascendancy over them is based upon your belief that you are the better man. To gain and maintain this ascendancy, you must have self-control, physical vitality, and endurance and moral force. You must have yourself so well in hand that, Even though in battle you be scared stiff, you will never show fear. For if by so much as a hurried movement, or a trembling of the hands, or a change of expression, or a hasty order hastily revoked, you indicate your mental condition, it will be reflected in your men in a far greater degree. In garrison or camp, many instances will arise to try your temper and wreck the sweetness of your disposition. If you, if at such times you quote fly off the handle quote, you have no business in being in charge of men, for men in anger say and do things that they almost invariably regret afterward. An officer should never apologize to his men, as an officer should never be guilty of an act for which he, his sense of justice tells him he should apologize. Another element in gaining moral ascendancy lies in the possession of enough physical vitality and endurance to withstand the hardships to which you and your men are subjected, and a dauntless spirit that enables you not only to accept them cheerfully, but to minimize their magnitude. Make light of your troubles, belittle your trials, and you will help vitally to build up within your organization in a spray whose value in time of stress cannot be measured. Moral force is the third element in gaining moral ascendancy. To exhort moral force, you must live clean. You must have sufficient brain power to see the right and the will to do the right. Be an example to your men. An officer can be a power for good or a power for evil. Don't preach to them. They will be worse than useless. Live the kind of life you would have them lead, and you will be surprised to see the number that will imitate you. A loudmouth, profane captain who is careless of his personal appearance will have a loud profane, dirty company. Remember what I tell you. Your company will be the reflection of yourself. If you have a rotten company, it will be because you are a rotten captain. Self-sacrifice is essential to leadership. You will give, give, give all the time. You will give of yourself physically for the longest hours. The hardest work and the greatest responsibility are... The lot of the captain. He is the first man up in the morning and the last man in night. He works while others sleep. You will give of yourself mentally and sympathy and appreciation for the troubles of the men in your charge. This one's mother has died, and that one has lost all his savings in the bank, failure. They may desire help, but more than anything else, they desire sympathy. Don't make the mistake of turning such men down with a statement that you have troubles of your own for every time you do that you knock a stone out of the foundation of your house. Your men are your foundation. Your house of leadership will tumble about your ears unless it rests surely, securely upon them. Finally, <clears throat> you will give of your own slender financial resources. You will frequently spend your own money to conserve the health and well-being of your men, or to assist them in trouble. Generally, you'll get your money back. Very frequently, you must charge it off to profit and loss. Even so, it is worth the cost. When I say that paternalism is essential to leadership, I use the term in its better sense. I do not not now refer to that form of paternalism, which robs men of initiative, self-reliance, and self-respect. I refer to paternalism that manifests itself in a watchful charge for the comfort and welfare of those in your charge. Break, break. I would like to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thank you for your time. Let's get back to the reading. Soldiers are much like children. You must see that they have shelter, food, and clothing, the best that your utmost efforts can provide. You must see that they have food to eat before you think of your own, that they have each as good a bed as can be provided before you consider where you will sleep. You must be far more solicitous of their comfort than of your own. You must look after their help. You must conserve their strength by not demanding needless exertion or useless labor. And by doing all these things, you are breathing life into that would-be otherwise a mere machine. You are creating a soul in your organization that will make the mass respond to you as though it were one man, and that is a spirit. And when your organization has the spirit, you will wake up some morning and discover that the tables have been turned. That instead of your constantly looking out for them, they are, they have. Without even a hint from you, take it up the task of looking out for you. You will find that a detail is always there to see that that your tent, if you have one, is promptly pitched. That the most and the cleanest bedding is brought to your tent. That some mysterious source two eggs have been added to your supper when no one else has any. That an extra man is helping your men give your horse a super grooming. That your wishes are anticipated that every man is, quote, Johnny on the spot, quote, and then you have arrived. You cannot treat all men alike. A punishment that would be dismissed by one man with a shrug of the shoulders is a mental anguish for another. A company commander who, for a given offense, has a standard punishment that applies to all, is either too indolent or too stupid to study the personality of his men. In his case, justice is certainly blind study your men as carefully as surgeon studies a difficult case and when you are sure of your diagnosis apply the remedy and remember that you apply the remedy to effect a cure not merely to see the victim squirm it may be necessary to cut deep but when you are satisfied as to your diagnosis don't be diverted from your purpose by any false sympathy for the patient hand in hand with fairness in awarding punishment walks fairness in giving credit Everybody hates a human hog. When one of your men has accomplished an especially credible piece of work, see that he gets the proper reward. Turn heaven and earth upside down to get it for him. Don't try to take it away from him and hog it for yourself. You may do this and get away with it, but you have lost the respect and loyalty of your men. Sooner or later, your brother officers will hear of it and shun you like a leper. In war, there is glory enough for all. Give the man under you his due. The man who who always takes and never gives is not a leader. He is a parasite. There is another kind of fairness, that which will prevent an officer from abusing the privileges of his rank. When you exact respect from soldiers, be sure you treat them with equal respect. Build up their manhood and self-respect. Don't try to pull it down. For an officer to be overbearing and insulting in the treatment of enlisted men, is the act of a coward. He ties the man to a tree with the ropes of discipline and then strikes him in the face knowing full well that the man cannot strike back. Consideration, courtesy, and respect from officers toward enlisted men are not incomparable with discipline. They are parts of our discipline. Without initiative and and decision, no man can expect to lead. In maneuvers, you will frequently see when an emergency arises, certain men calmly give instant orders which later on analysis prove to be, if not exactly the right thing, very nearly the right thing to have done. You will see other men in emergency become badly rattled, their brains refuse to work, or they give a hasty order, revoke it, give another, revoke that. In short, every indication of being in a blue funk. Regarding the first man, you may say, quote, that man is a genius. He hasn't had time to reason this thing out. He acts intuitively, quote, forget it. Genius is merely the capacity for taking infinite plans, pains. The man who was ready is the man who has prepared himself. He has studied beforehand the possible situations that might arise. He has made tentative plans covering such situations. When he is confronted by the emergency, he is ready to meet it. He must have sufficient mental alertness to appreciate the problem that confronts him and the power of a quick reasoning to determine what changes are necessary in his ready-formulated plan. He must also have the decision to order the execution and stick to his orders. Any reasonable order in an emergency is better than no order. The situation is there. Meet it. It is better to do something and do the wrong thing, than to hesitate, hunt around for the right thing to do, and wind up by doing nothing at all. And having decided on the line of action, stick to it. Don't facilitate. Men have no confidence in an officer who doesn't know his own mind. Occasionally, you will be called upon to meet a situation which no reasonable human being could have anticipated. If you have prepared yourself to meet other emergencies, which you could anticipate, the mental training you have thereby gained will enable you to act promptly and with calmness. You must frequently act without orders from higher authority. Time will not permit you to wait for them. Here, again, enters the importance of studying the work of officers above you. If you have a comprehensive grasp of the entire situation and can form an idea of the general plan of your superiors, that and your previous emergency training will enable you to determine that the responsibility is yours and to issue the necessary orders without delay. The element of personal dignity is important in military leadership. Be the friend of your men, but do not become their intimate. Your men should stand in all of you, not fear. If your men presume to become familiar, it is your fault and not theirs. Your actions have encouraged them to do so. And, above all things, don't cheapen yourself by courting their friendship or curry their favor. favor. They will despise you for it. If you are worthy of their loyalty and respect and devotion, they will surely give all these without asking. If you are not, nothing that you can do will win them. It is exceedingly difficult for an officer to be dignified while wearing a dirty, spotted uniform and a three-day stubble whiskers on his face. Such a man lacks self-respect and self-respect is an essential of dignity. There are, there are many occasions when your work entails dirty clothes and an unshaven face. Your men all look that way. At such times, there is ample reason for your appearance. In fact, it would be a mistake to look too clean. They would think that you were not doing your share. But as soon as the unusual occasion has passed, set an example for your personal neatness. And then I would mention courage. Moral courage you need as well as mental courage. That kind of moral courage which enables you to adhere without faltering to the determined course of action, which your judgment has indicated is the best suited to secure the desired results. Thank you for your time today. I hope you learned as much as I did in this reading. If you ever desire to connect with me, you can email me at kb at k-e-y-b-r-a-v-o dot com. That is kb at keybravo dot com. Have a wonderful day and may you be blessed with all the success you endeavor.